0: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He... Oh, he doesn't get... Carolina is the Coastal Division champion! Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Theo, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Theo is going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good. It's good. Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Cutler. Good gosh darn it. This is the Heel Tough blog. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are uh, unfortunately at home. We are not, uh, we were not able to do this. Our schedules, this this may become a more common thing. We are just stretched way too thin, even though we are just way too fat. Uh, But (laughs) yeah, unfortunately, our schedules didn't line up, but we are doing this one from home. It is going to be the preview of the Georgia Tech game. Uh, still, you know, a lot of excitement. We'll still do all the stuff that we normally do to get you guys prepared for uh, these upcoming games uh, or this upcoming game against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. The Tar Heels travel down to Georgia, uh, to Atlanta, to play in the Mercedes-Benz uh, Dome on Saturday. Uh, Mac Brown did say in his press conference today, I believe that they are going to go down a little bit earlier because the guys do want to see the College Football Hall of Fame, so that'll be a cool experience for the guys as they go down to take on the Yellow Jackets for the 55th time in program history, and we'll tell you about that here in just a few minutes. We'll also give you a couple of other uh, notes around Tar Heel football at the end of the podcast, but we start by looking at some of the top storylines when it comes to the Tar Heels, and uh, when it comes to the injury side of things, not a ton of injury news that was released uh, over the past couple of days from the head coach of the Tar Heels, Mac Brown, who had two press conferences in the last three days. And then, of course, the coordinators who meet on Mondays with the media. Not a ton uh, to be said there. Uh, one thing that did come out that was worth noting was that Phil Longo said that uh, mainly with Brian Anderson, that's one of the guys along the offensive line that they've been trying to work back slowly uh, and that they feel like he is getting pretty close to being fully healthy. So once he is fully healthy, uh, the belief is that they will go back to him at center and that Kieran Johnson will then be allowed to sort of go into more of a rotational role. Um, don't know how exactly he would factor in then, because Mac Brown said that he was very, very thrilled with what he saw from both William Barnes and Ed Montillis. Uh, the, you know, past couple of games, especially for Montillas, have been great. Uh, he really liked what he saw the other night from him and thought that William Barnes also played his best game. Same thing with Phil Longo. He agreed on that as well. So we'll see how that kind of works out. The good news for Kieran is that he is OK. And same thing with Josh Downs after uh, the questionable cheap shots that Virginia took. Uh, at the both of those guys uh, in the game the other night Uh, the one that was a little more egregious was very clearly the Josh Downs one which is one that is now circulating all over the internet Uh, it was first tweeted out by uh, a guy that uh, most of you probably know that follow Tar Heel recruiting a guy that posts a lot about the recruits um, and BKC Heel if you haven't seen the video go check it out Uh, for yourself. Uh, But yeah, there is a lot of reaction to that, including Mac Brown, who spoke with the media today uh, and said, or yeah, well, yeah, earlier today, and said that he is extremely disappointed in the ACC's response to the plays, uh, but does like the fact that his team was able to move forward in the game, avoid uh, any sort of overreaction penalties, anything like that. I know you've probably seen the videos. Um, I mean, look, I'm not usually one to you know, come on here and, and and be this guy that overreacts to this kind of stuff. But I, I think the Kieran Johnson one, I didn't see it. To me, that one wasn't as clear. I think the Josh Downs one is one that the ACC has definitely got to take a look at. I think the biggest problem that I had with it was the fact that they reviewed multiple plays for targeting throughout the game. And yeah. that was one that they probably should have reviewed for targeting and didn't review.
1: You know, I agree with you. Um, we're all about trying to make the game safer. I think we've come a long way in making football much more safer to play. We have review or replay and system to, uh, to re- look at these types of plays that happen to see if there was something that we didn't need to happen on the football field. And you could tell that that was malicious. That was intent. Um, and that was if there's a definition of targeting that is definite, that was what that was. I can't believe we missed that being in the stadium and the, you know, you have a chance to see everything that just about happens on the football field. We didn't somehow we missed that happen. Um, I don't get how you take a look back at that and don't draw any conclusions and someone doesn't get punished. I think that's the most frustrating thing is uh, do your, you know, if, you, if they did their due diligence, that guy should be missing time. Um, whether it's one game, two games, three games, whatever, that guy should be playing this upcoming week um, for, in their game against Lake Forest, but he is, and I just think it shows you that as. even though we've come a long way. We've still got a good bit of ways to go to get this, the system, uh, more fine-tuned and get the game more safe.
0: Well, so you went on your soapbox over on uh, the Four Corners podcast on Jim Phillips. I'm going to stand up on my soapbox yeah. and tear this, this, this dude uh, a new one in this one. Uh, I think he's way too worried about all the other stuff. I think he's too worried about conference expansion. He's too worried about the aesthetics of the ACC. And to be honest with you, what are you worried about the aesthetics of the ACC for? This football conference sucks right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter that this is a guy that may be, you know, part of a contributing team in the ACC you need to sit this guy down. This is pathetic. I mean, I, you you talk about how you want to protect your players. Uh, and this doesn't show that at all. This was very clearly a cheap shot. Don't give me the crap that he was, he should have been blocking on the play. There is a mutual respect between players on the field that if a guy gives up on a play or turns your his back to you on a play, you do not block him. Uh, Joey Blount, Blount, however the hell you pronounce his name, is a dirty-ass player. I really don't care. I I mean, seriously. Mm -hmm. This dude needs to be set down for at least a week or so. But you know what? This isn't shocking for the ACC. We saw the same thing. And, look, you know, John Swafford's a guy that, you know, is a Carolina guy, all that. This We we saw stuff like this on the basketball court. Grayson Allen's actions were unacceptable. They did nothing about it. They didn't care. Uh, this is something they need to step up and show that they are about the safety of their players because that's a play where you could have a guy get severely injured. I mean, that is, I'm going to be honest, that is reminiscent of what we saw in the NFL years ago with Odell Beckham and Josh Norman, where Odell Beckham pretty much almost put that guy in the hospital and people were saying that he should not only be suspended, but he should have criminal charges brought against him. I'm not saying that you should have criminal charges brought against you because I get it's the heat of battle, but this dude needs to be suspended, if anything, by the team. That's another thing that is just uh, just a poor showing from Bronco Mendenhall and his guys that nothing has been stated about this. And I know that people would say, well, what if this is one of the Tar Heel guys? I was the guy a few years ago that in the bowl game against Baylor, when Mac Hollins got a targeting penalty – I looked back at that play and said, "Yeah, it's the right call." A lot of people disagreed with me, but I said, "Look, he—it was helmet-to-helmet helmet contact. I don't think that was that—that that was something that was, uh, you know, so that that Mac was doing on purpose. But that was the right call. I know. I mean, in a case like this, yes, we would want one of our players to be sat down for that because that's a cheap move." In a game that you were losing, you did that because you were behind. And it's just a shame that the ACC just doesn't seem to care about their players.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i glad you were on the train of ripping Jim Phillips a new one because... Oh, it's I over. Th- it's over now. I, I didn't think that when he got hired, he was the right guy for the job. But I think everything he has said in the months afterwards and his actions as a, as a commissioner continue to prove that we messed up, um, and who we uh, decided to, to take over and, and run the ACC. I think the thing is that I love the connection to Grayson because I thought that was a great point. For as much respect as the football community has for Bronco Mendenhall, he's, he deserves to be respected. The guy's a great football coach. you got to wonder how much did he lose within that inner circle, especially from Mac Brown. Having an opportunity to make that decision himself, I firmly believe that Mac Brown and this coaching staff, he would have they would have suspended a player had Don Chapman or whoever it was, Aquarius Conley um, made a made a hit like that because it's it's not right, it's not safe, it doesn't belong in the game, um, and, and you know, I just think that's the difference between Carolina and, and Virginia, um, and it just shows you that as much problems as there is with targeting, and there's a lot of issues with the rule of targeting and stuff like that. If there ever was a penalty that that deemed ejection, that would have been one that deemed automatic ejection. So, yeah, that's, that's it on that.
0: And, I mean, the only other thing I could say is maybe they're not suspending him because the dude got injured later in the game. Don't really know. I don't um, care. Yeah, I don't care either. Uh, because uh, it it doesn't really matter. I mean, just because the dude got injured, and it, it, I mean, the whole defense it, was injured in the second half. That's that's just an excuse. Yeah, I mean, see, so I, I, they got to do something. They're just not, and uh, it, it it leaves you with with no hope. I mean, college football just continues to disappoint. Uh, just like with the playoff expansion now being gone, that's off the table. So. <laughs> Well, you know, the, well, what else do you expect from college football as a whole? Uh, but you know what? Let's move on from that topic. There's nothing we can do about that. As Mac Brown said, he's glad the way his guys moved on. Now it's time for us to move on. Let's take a look at the game against Georgia Tech. And, hey, I mean, look, th- this is a Georgia Tech team that, uh, you know, has done some good things this year. They lost last week to Clemson and game the Tigers. Uh, looked like a team that was, you know, somewhat – you know, competent on the offensive side. They were able to move the football a little bit, but couldn't finish when they needed to. Uh, And defensively, they've had a a pretty strong season. Um, But this is also a team that lost their season opener to Northern Illinois. So it's very weird to try to figure out where this team exactly is. I don't think it helps uh, Georgia Tech to be playing this game in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. So technically, I mean, it is, I guess, a home game because it's right around the block but it's not quite the home field advantage that you might get uh, if you were playing inside of Bobby Dodd stadium. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, much more uh, spread out a lot uh, probably a, a stadium that'll maybe be half full with that. Um, so yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see what the how much of an advantage that actually gives. Uh, Mac Brown said that he expects a lot of Toriel fans to be there. He said that uh, outside of Charlotte, and in uh, New York, uh, New York City, uh, Atlanta is the third largest group of Tar Heel graduates in terms of the alumni clubs and everything like that. So we expect a lot of Tar Heel fans to be there for this matchup. Uh, as I mentioned, 55th all-time meeting between these two. Georgia Tech owns the 30, 21, and 3 edge in the series. This is the first meeting between the two since the 2019 win down at Georgia Tech. That the Toriels got uh, in a, uh, w- w- which you know during that season, kind of started to show some signs of what that team could be under Mac Brown. They did, of course, not play a year ago due to the shift with the COVID schedule. Uh, them in Pittsburgh, the only uh, coastal opponents that Carolina did not play a year ago. Uh, When you look at the offensive numbers for this team, uh, as I mentioned, they're not great. 24.7 points per game, averaging just 383 yards of uh, total offense, 204.3 passing yards per game and 179 rushing yards per game. I can't remember the last time that Georgia Tech actually threw the ball for more yards than they ran it. Defensively, Numbers are solid, but there is an area where I think Carolina could be able to attack them. Uh, So far this season, they're allowing just 17.7 points per game. So that's a really good number for them, 285.7 total yards per game. They're allowing just 124.3 passing yards per game, but they are allowing 161.4 rushing yards per game. Carolina, of course, coming off the huge performance against Virginia where they ran for 392. yards Uh, guys that stand out background pointed them out Uh, really the two guys that I think most people will focus on in this game come on the offensive side of the ball Jordan Yates Uh, you should notice that last name and yes there is a connection I believe that is the nephew of TJ Yates I know he's related to him in some way Uh, he is uh, so far this season thrown for 592 yards and five touchdowns Jameer Gibbs their star running back 40 carries 185 yards rushing this year, but no touchdowns. So when you look at this Georgia tech team, I think uh, the biggest thing that people need to know is that I'm going to be honest with you. We don't know a whole lot about this team coming in because they are a team that lost to one of the worst group of five teams from a year ago in Northern Illinois to start the season and then bounce back and look pretty solid uh, against Clemson. I, I, I this is a game that I think Carolina's going into. I'm not going to say blind, but it's going to be tough for them to figure out just exactly who they're facing in this game.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's going to be a challenge because you don't know which Georgia Tech you're going to get. Are you going to get the Georgia Tech that took Clemson four quarters and had a chance in the fourth quarter to win that football game? Or are you going to get the Georgia Tech that got beat at home to Northern Illinois, if Carolina gets that version of Georgia Tech, you would imagine Carolina rolls to a multiple touchdown and a blowout victory on the road. If they get the Georgia Tech that came – that showed up last week and they – you know, you don't ever want to praise losing, but that was a step for that program last week, going to Clemson and playing the Tigers for four quarters. But you got to keep in mind this isn't the same Clemson offense that we've been accustomed to. They're not going to score 30, 40 points – On anybody, it appears, at the rate they're going right now. And and so I think that's going to factor into it. But one thing you know about Georgia Tech, since Jeff Collins got there, they're going to play hard. They're going to play physical. um, They're going to play for 60 minutes. And for them, this is a measuring stick to see how far they've come. And this is, what, I believe, year three under Jeff Collins. How close are they to closing the gap with the top teams at the ACC? which Carolina is in that coastal division, because you got to remember, back in the early mid-2000s, late 2000s and 2010s, this program frequented the ACC championship game. They made Orange Bowls and made they've made a New York Six Bowl since we moved to the New York Six um, format. They're not shy of having national success, but that was running a different offense with a different head coach, so they're trying to rebuild back to that. So it's going to be tough it's going to be really hard because that's going to be a really sleepy environment. It always, it always is anyway when it's at Bobby Dodd's, can be even worse in the, in the NFL stadium. So I think Carolina is going to be sleepwalking in the first half. And if they are, they could find themselves in a tight ball game in the second half.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, there's uh definitely a, uh a little bit of a uh, a hangover factor and possibly even a little bit of a look ahead factor uh, to this game because you've got a rivalry game coming up the next weekend. I understand that most people probably look at Duke and say, this is really not that great of a football team, but that's a team that very well could come into that game three and one. So there could be a little bit of looking ahead. The thing I wonder about with Georgia Tech is, how much of that was a really good performance against Clemson where they played well. And the fact that things did get thrown out of whack with the lightning delay, it's not an excuse. Clemson should have been way better in that football game, but you wonder if that lightning delay does not happen. If it's a little bit smoother for Clemson in that second half, and if they're able to sort of pull away from Georgia tech, I think that's the thing you've got to wonder, but, you can't take this team lightly because they've got a quarterback that's thrown for almost 600 yards. I mean, he's not killing it, but this is a team that we saw last week can be susceptible, especially when they're in one-on-one coverage. Uh, so Carolina's definitely got to be careful in this game. And I think, you know, this is going to be Matt Brown said uh, in his press conference today, this is really going to be the first time Carolina is going to face a really good running back that, a team can rely on to carry the ball 20, 30 times in a game this season and should have no problem being able to to handle that load. Uh, So far out of the gate this season, we've seen a Virginia Tech team that rotated a lot of running backs because they were young and inexperienced there. Uh, You've seen Georgia State, who just couldn't run the ball on you at all, and Virginia, who abandoned the run and may have forgotten that the run actually existed. So I think that's an area where we're going to learn a little bit about Carolina in this game. I feel confident that with the guys that they got out there, especially with what we've seen at times from this defensive line, Carolina will be able to get the job done. But what do you think about facing a guy that is as dynamic as Jameer Gibbs is in this game?
1: I mean, he's got the ability to be a game breaker and make game-changing plays. And you know Georgia Tech's M.O. is to going to be to shorten the game, Keep Sam How on that offense on the sidelines because it appears that they have figured out who they are. They've got their identity. They've gotten back in rhythm to try to make this, uh, you know, uh, you know, a seven-eight possession football game as opposed to a ten-to-twelve possession football game. And Gibbs has the ability to wear down a defensive, uh, you know, a defense whether it's a linebacker, safeties because he's just that type of guy. They're not going to be afraid to hand him the rock as you mentioned twenty. 25 hell 30 times if, it, if he's carrying the load and doing just fine so I think you got to see what Carolina can do in terms of as you mentioned they haven't had to tackle the same guy over and over and over again Virginia Tech had two great backs at Holston and Blackshear they were able to bring in and out whenever they wanted to and those guys were fresh but they didn't wear Carolina down like Gives has the ability to. So I think you're going to find out how physical is Carolina. It appears that they've taken some steps to meet a more physical team at the point of attack, shedding blocks and getting to the football. But this is going to be a guy that gets stronger as the game gets longer. And this can be a good challenge
0: for this defense. Well, before we do our keys to the game, I do want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor DraftKings, as part of the pigskin podcast network guys week. Uh, two of the football season is in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. That means you guys can bet on your favorite former Tar Heels and their teams. Uh, listen up you do because you don't want to miss this head to DraftKings Sportsbooks app right now and place a bet of $1 on any week one game to receive $150 in free bets instantly if uh, sportsbooks is not yet available in your state DraftKings still has huge cash prizes that are up for grabs all season long With their daily fantasy contest, DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbooks app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbooks for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-W-I-T-H-I-T. So we move on, take a look at our keys to the game and I think the biggest thing, we sort of talked about it a little bit. You have got to make sure that this is not a trap game for you. As I mentioned, you're coming off a huge win over a Virginia team that, I mean, we're being honest right now, that might be the second best team in the Coastal. We we don't know a whole lot about yes. the teams behind Carolina because Miami has not looked good at all. Um, Virginia Tech, I mean – I don't know. I don't know what to feel about that Virginia Tech team. I think it's still you still have to be somewhat hesitant uh, to really jump on that train. So it it looks like Virginia may be that team, and if they beat Wake Forest, they could definitely prove that. And as I mentioned, on the back end of this game, you've got a game. I mean, granted, Duke's not great, but it's a rivalry game. It's at home, and it's going to probably involve two, three, and one teams if you end up winning this game. So Carolina's got to avoid – you know, going in against an opponent that they're looking at and saying we should beat no problem and letting this one potentially slip away. As you mentioned, if they don't come out with the energy, this could be a really, really close game at halftime that Carolina has to find a way to turn it up in that second half if they want to pull away. Yeah, this is going to be a game
1: where they get to create their own energy because there are the chances of there being an environment will come from the Carolina fans that show up that that will be down in Atlanta. And look, um, I, I think Mac Brown's going to be right. I think there will be a nice Tar Heel contingent down at the, at the stadium because they're playing it in the, the, in that new NFL stadium. That is beautiful. It is immaculate. Um, I was hoping that you were going to surprise me with tickets for my birthday. Look, but that, a, that appears that that is not happening, but it's just going to be one of those, and, look, it's, it's that way in every sport with Georgia Tech, whether it's football. When Carolina goes there in basketball, it's always a sleepy environment, so it's really hard to, to get into the rhythm, the flow uh, of the game. But, you know, it's, it's not going to matter if Carolina loses. So they've got to come out ready to go. Um, the last time they played there, now granted it was at – in Bobby Dodd, it was kind of the same thing where they kind of just slept, walked through the game and, and pulled away in the second half. So hopefully Carolina comes out. They've started fast the last two weeks with touchdowns on their first drives. Hopefully they can continue that success and and get this thing going
0: early. But I think one of the keys early on is, uh, you know, get that running game going. Because that is what is going to allow you to, you know, pull away from this team, sort of wear them down up front. I think that's one of the big keys, uh, you know, is is to win that battle in the trenches. And uh, I I mean, again, one of the things I put down for my second key is, you've got to be able to build on the success that you had a week ago on that offensive and defensive line. Um, you know, the defensive line, I think they, you you want a little more consistency when it comes to getting after the quarterback, but from listening to Jay Bateman, I think part of their plan also was to try to do everything that they could to keep Brennan Armstrong in the pocket. If he beat you from there, he beat you from there. I think that they definitely were hoping that their defensive backs would make a few more plays out there. Yeah. But uh, I think that for the most part, this might be one of those games where they will be p- possibly a little bit more aggressive, um, especially with blitzes. He did say that Cedric Gray, one of the reasons that they like him in there is that he does bring sort of a Chad Surratt element when they do uh, use him to rush the passer, which I found very, very interesting. I think that's an element that uh, I thought Jeremiah Gimmel was going to be able to bring, but I guess that's really just not his MO. He's just that typical Uh, run-stuffing inside linebacker, a guy that just knows where his gaps are and everything like that. He's not a pass-rushing guy that's going to be able to shed interior linemen. So uh, I think that you could see some aggressiveness there. And then on the offensive line, you've just got to see that cohesion continue to grow no matter who the guys are out there. And you need to see this unit be able to keep Sam Howell protected and mainly you need to see them open the running lanes uh, for uh, both the running backs and a quarterback that now all of a sudden they are opening up and letting him use his legs.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think that's the big thing is what does his offensive line do as a follow-up after back-to-back good performances at home, where you usually see better offensive play and stuff like that. How's it going to translate? Interesting to see how much Brian Anderson plays and what the offensive line looks like with him as opposed to Kieran Johnson. Interesting interested to see what happens with William Barnes, who looked really good last week as well. Um, mm-hmm. Joshua Izzudu, Carolina might be getting healthier, but as we talked about following that the the, the, the win over Virginia, that might have been Carolina's best offensive line outside of, you know, you bring Izzudu, you can put him back with they're at left guard, you think you can put him at left tackle. And, and go from there. So interested to see how those guys as we get healthier, how that rotation kind of works itself out. Carolina's got to be able to run the football. I, I think you know you can beat Georgia Tech through the air, but I don't think you. I think you don't want to have to beat them through the air. I think you want to be able to run the football. Let Ty Chandler continue to do what he did last week. Get Caleb Hood more involved. Maybe you don't have to use Sam as much as you've used in the last two weeks, but. Do know that if you have to, that is now a part of your offense that is going to be productive. Um, and, you know, as long as he can maybe slide and avoid a hit or two, it's all going to work out in the end. Defensively, more in Rucker. Hopefully he'll get the start again on Saturday night. Javari Ritzy, Miles Murphy. I think it's a big game for Dez Evans to maybe kind of show up and do something. So I think for the for the uh, the Fox brothers, No Timon had a sack last week, but they've just been really quiet and they haven't really had a breakout game. And you know what the old saying is, is sacks come in bunches. This is a chance for this defensive line to get hot, to get home with some pressures without having to blitz linebackers or corners or whatever. And really just overwhelm uh, Jordan Yates and this Georgia Tech offense, so
0: it's 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 going to be something to watch on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's not a guy that's overly mobile. He doesn't look like a guy that can really kill you on the ground. So I think that will come to fruition. I think you will see Carolina be a little more aggressive. But yeah, you got to have some of those guys that can win those one-on-one battles up front. And I'm with you, Kamen Rucker. uh, We need to see him in there as a starter, no doubt, going forward uh, throughout the rest of the year. The last key to the game that I had, got to win some of those 50-50 balls on the defensive side because there were a lot of them the other night. Uh, Mack Brown said in his press conference he counted about four or five that Carolina could have come down with interception-wise. Carolina came down with one. Uh, and that's great. Look, they've forced a, a lot, they forced five turnovers so far this year in three games, they forced 11 turnovers all of last season. So, Carolina's doing a lot of things well on that end, but they've had other opportunities that they have let drop. And you know, this is a defense that when you recruit this defense over the past couple of years. When when you're looking in the fall for guys that are going to play significant reps, you are looking for guys that can handle themselves in man-to-man coverage, stay with receivers and make plays on the football, because this is a man-heavy scheme. You're blitzing a a, a lot. That's something that Jay Bateman hoped that he could get out of. I don't see that happening right now. I think that you need to blitz to get pressure. So you need your corners and your safeties to be able to handle themselves in one-on-one coverage. And that means when they're there, because Carolina, I mean, I've said it to you multiple times so far this year, Carolina's had guys in position to make plays. They just can't make the plays. So you've got to be able to win those 50-50 balls. Now, the good thing is, is they don't, it looks like Georgia Tech doesn't really have anybody that is going to kill you. Um, There's not really that one receiver that you're sort of keying in on in this game Um, I know that they do have uh, Kyrick McGowan, who's a transfer from uh, Northwestern. I mean, he is averaging 17.7 yards per catch on 11 receptions this season. But uh, we're talking about a program that has had some of the best of the best in the past. Calvin Johnson, who was, uh, you know, just a a standout. We remember uh, the hype that um, Stephen, I'm forgetting his last name, Stephen Hill, Stephen Hill had when he was coming out. Those were the types of guys that Carolina was used to facing with this offense. They still have some big play receivers, but I think Carolina, if if their corners are up to snuff, they should be able to take this group away in this game and, and have more success. And they need to have that happen, especially from guys like Tony Grimes and Kyler McMichael, which they are relying on heavily right now.
1: The difference between being in position to make plays and making plays is what's ultimately going to make this defense either a top 25 defense, which it has the potential to be, or this middle-of-the-road defense that <laughs> costs Carolina a game or two that it, it, that they shouldn't lose. Um, I'm glad Matt Brown felt the same way I felt last Saturday where there was five or six balls that should have been intercepted. And, uh, you know, I consider myself like the nitpickiest fan in the world, and I own that. I asked you a lot of times last week, should that have been picked off and it was kind of like well maybe not but when you, you know, nitpicky never come on when when mac brown says hey i feel like those plays should have been intercepted um then then that's how it should have been because as much as it feels like carolina's getting beat at the point of the release or deep down the route when they turn their head when which is not as much as i want it to be they're in a position to make a play they're just they just haven't simply made it so hopefully after another week of film and teaching and correction they're going to be in much more position much better position to do that and as you mentioned while Georgia Tech has some guys they don't have some dudes like Virginia had that could carve you up and I think that's going to be a big difference also Jordan Yates good quarterback not as good as Brennan Armstrong as Carolina saw a week ago and at some point he's going to make a mistake or two as every quarterback does so hopefully Carolina can make some plays and and, and force some turnovers in that passing game
0: well, I mean, look, this is a game, as we get ready to make our official predictions, this is a game that you, you should win. This is one where you should be able to flex a little bit of muscle. I'm not saying that you need to necessarily blow this team out or else it's a complete failure. But I think this is a game where Carolina, if, if they are the team that we think they could be, Mm-hmm. They need to show that in this game against Georgia Tech, and they need to come out and, and and win this game by three touchdowns or more. I think that's something that you should be you should be looking at as a Heel fan and saying that's a realistic goal in this game. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this team that you're playing this week showed you that there is some vulnerability in the team that uh, has run the ACC for the last however many years. So you should feel energized about this game and every game going forward, knowing that, look, if we get to Charlotte, uh, this is not the Clemson team that we're used to seeing in the past. I mean, I know it's three games in, they could still get that offense on track. Usually by this point in the season, this is when you start to say to yourself, these are things that are going to hang around for the rest of the year. I'm not saying that they're going to be as bad as they were against Georgia Tech a week ago. But I definitely think that Clemson's offense is, is a question mark and is a little bit susceptible. So Carolina, they need to smell that blood in the water. I think they do, and this is a chance for them to show it off. I, I think Carolina goes on the road here, and I think they you know have a relatively easy time with Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I, I think they early on are able to establish the run. I think Sam Howell makes a couple of plays as well. And uh, I, I think Carolina goes into halftime feeling pretty good and pulls away uh, in that second half. I think Carolina wins this game 45-17 to 17 over Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, I don't have it that much, or in terms of high scoring. Um, I think Carolina's going to win. Uh, let's go ahead and put that out there. But I do think it'll take them into the middle of the first quarter, maybe the end of the first quarter, to really get rolling and get this, uh, and get this game where they want it to go. Ultimately, Sam Howell's way too much. I think he's going to have another brilliant performance. I think Ty Chandler, Caleb Hood, nice one-two punch run the football. You know, Jouse, you know Josh Jones is going to do something that's going to make you say, wow. Um, I'd like to see some other guys in the passing game step up, whether it's Anson Green, Emory Simmons, get the tight ends back involved. I think defensively, I think Carolina will bounce back because they're not playing as potent an offense as they played a week ago. I think they're going to go down to Georgia Tech and get a, a comfortable 38-14 win
0: on the road. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, so somewhat similar margins. Uh yeah, I, I, I think that uh, people are definitely excited about the direction of the Toriel team, which is amazing, considering that a couple weeks ago, we two were weeks falling. ago, the sky was falling. That's right. That's right. So uh, we'll see Carolina with the chance to go down to Atlanta and uh, prove to uh, the rest of the country that uh, the a- ACC may be weak as a whole, but Carolina uh, is one of those hopes in the ACC uh, when it comes to them staying ranked and, and, and being a contender uh, potentially in Charlotte against Clemson. Uh, 730 ACC Network uh, is the broadcast uh, between Carolina and Georgia Tech. You guys can, of course, also, if you can't watch it, listen to it over on the Tar Heels Sports Network. Jones, Angel, Brian Simmons, Lee Pace, all those guys have the call for you over there. So make sure that you check out either one of those. And then uh we'll, we'll run you through the normal stuff that we do this is where I'll plug this so <laughs> a little out of order but I'll plug it right here make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on the website for the preview that will go up it'll be a little more in depth than even what I did here I'll break down the Georgia Tech roster give you some stack comparisons between the Tar Heels. And the Yellow Jackets also take a look at both injury reports uh, with what we know, what information we've got, uh, and then also take a look at the projected depth chart so you know some of the names that will be out there for both sides uh, when they take the field uh, down in Atlanta on Saturday. Uh, let's look at some of the uh, the closing notes here for the show. I got a couple written down here that I thought uh, were worth pointing out. Of course, uh, the Tar Heels game uh, scheduled for October 2nd against the Duke Blue Devils. Set for 12 o'clock. A lot of people not too happy about that. Uh, I, I don't really know. I mean, people complain that the seven thirty kicks are too late, and the same people complain that the two that the 12 o'clock kicks are too early. I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, the good news is, though, is hopefully it's looking like fall is moving in a little bit earlier here, so hopefully it won't be too hot for that game against Duke. But I actually like that time slot for Carolina against the Blue Devils, I think that's uh. A good chance to see what this team has in a non-night game. And, of course, they'll be at home. So uh, Carolina has had a lot of success at home. Mac Brown said they are 10-4 and under him uh, since his return at home. But two of those four losses are, of course, to number one, Clemson and number two, Notre Dame. Carolina has had a lot of success at home. That's one of the reasons why that 12 o'clock kick shouldn't really scare you all that much. Uh another thing that just popped up a little while ago that I saw uh, Tar Heels cornerback coach Dre Bly, he is officially a, uh, on the ballot for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You can go and vote for him. Ultimately, uh, the guys that uh, are on the, uh, the Hall of Fame committee are the ones that decide as to whether or not he will go into the Hall of Fame. But he had a pretty storied career even at the NFL level. Really solid corner for many years with uh, the Detroit Lions, the Denver Broncos, and the St. Louis Rams. Uh, those are the most notable ones. And, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, a guy that couldn't be more well-deserving after a phenomenal career at Carolina and then went on to carry that uh, into the NFL. And now, of course, uh, he's doing a ton of damage on the recruiting trail, and he continued his hot streak uh, earlier today as George Petaway announced his commitment to Carolina. Yes, believe it or not, even though the stream went out, he did actually commit to the Tar Heels. Uh, The guys over at Inside Carolina, I know, put up the full video so you guys can go check that out if you didn't see that. If you want to see him actually, you know, go through, put the hat on, all that kind of stuff. But we got an article up on the website for him as well. Uh, Make sure you guys go and check that out. Uh, Check out our breakdown of uh, what type of player Carolina is getting and how he is a great complement to the other back that Carolina already has in the 2022 class. And Also, we talk a little bit in there about just how dominant Carolina has been in this recruiting cycle in the state of Virginia. Uh, Carolina, so far, three of the top 10 players in the state of Virginia committed to Mac Brown and his staff. And the top two players that remain uncommitted in the state, Zach Rice and Andre Green Jr., both have strong ties to the Tar Heels at this point. So the Tar Heels are wrecking shop in one of the more talent-laden states, on the East Coast, they join that with you know continuing to recruit the state of North Carolina very well, and you can see why there's a ton of excitement around a target recruiting class that should, unless something drastic happens, and especially if they were to land one or even both of those guys that we talked about just a minute ago, this is a class that should probably remain inside the top 15 and could potentially challenge as a top 10 class. Uh, which is great considering that this is a relatively small class Carolina with 14 commits in the class don't really think they're probably going to take on more than two or three more guys but you never really know with some of these elite prospects out there Carolina could try to make some room for those guys. Uh, on the roster and of course uh, we do have roster expansion that is coming up here it appears uh sometime within the next year so carolina will hopefully get five extra scholarships that could help out as well for carolina on this recruiting trail to be be able to bring in some extra talent and could also help when it comes to the transfer portal uh it, it later on in the off season following the 2021 season so uh yeah head over to the website check all that stuff out as i mentioned we'll have uh you know, the preview for you guys uh, for the Georgia Tech game. After that, we'll run through, do the recap, trench report, stock report, all that stuff for the Georgia Tech game. You can check all that stuff out from the Virginia game on the website currently right now. Make sure you go back and check all that stuff out, especially that stock report. That stock report is something that kind of tells you how guys are trending as they head towards the next game. So – look at some of the guys that are playing well right now, look at some of the guys that are struggling and maybe need to bounce back a little bit. Uh, you can check that out over there on the website. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, George Petaway stuff up there on the website, we'll be talking about him, Zach Rice. Um, you know, we'll be we keeping an eye on him here as it appears he could be nearing a decision sometime soon. Um, and we'll have you covered on all those fronts. We have a podcast edition coming out tomorrow night. that you guys will be able to check out where we will break down George Petaway, what his commitment means for Carolina. It'll be me and Zach Hubbard going through that, and we'll talk a little bit about Zach Rice, Andre Green Jr., some of the other guys that Carolina is looking at in this 2022 class. And we'll, of course, talk at length about uh, this dynamic duo that Carolina has in this class in terms of the running backs with two four-star guys both Petaway and Amorian Hampton, who committed earlier. So we'll be talking about that. Make sure you don't miss that edition of the podcast. And best way to catch that is either here with the video version uh, to do that. Like and follow the Facebook page. That's the best way to do it so that you get a notification whenever we are posting a video and whenever it goes live. So you guys will be able to check that out. Uh, And you can also get all the articles, all the audio editions of the podcast. All that stuff is on that page as well. That's the best place to find everything. Um, if you're a, you know, a listener to the audio podcast, the other thing that we encourage you to do is wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you, that, that you subscribe so that all of the new editions of the podcast go straight into your podcast library and you can play them the minute that we put out a new episode. And we are on all of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of those. And now our hosting site is Megaphone. So uh, make sure that you guys are checking it out on all those different websites and uh, subscribing so that you don't miss any of the editions of the podcast. Uh, your Twitter page for us at heeltop Blog on Twitter uh, is the main uh, site page uh, for the website. And then follow our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh. And at Hack Zubber too uh, for the recruiting stuff. He, of course, will be reacting to everything that's going on with the Dual Federation Commitment. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank Josh for I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, so sorry